first part of advice would be, we're all human, show your empathy to the world, show that you're human, show kindness and respect to everyone you meet. And sometimes it's very difficult, but that's why we have patience to definitely be a human in this world and show everybody compassion and respect. And also you can give somebody hope and to give that to the people around you. I it's the Health in the Real World podcast. It's time to start the show with Chris Jenke as your host. Here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies. We keep it simple and easy. It's your roadmap to get healthy. You don't need equipment and you don't need a gym. Just the right strategies to get you fit and trim. The Health in the Real World podcast is sponsored by... When I was just 14 years old, I threw out my back. When I was 24 years old, I began to learn about simple, gentle exercises and stretches that could systematically restore movement when your back pain is being caused by sedentary lifestyle. Four workouts to ease muscle tension and develop core strength. Workout number one is the easiest. Workout number four is the hardest. You systematically progress yourself through this. This book has been amazing for so many people. I've gotten so much feedback about it, about how it has literally just changed people's lives. This is the book to get. Check it out. It's on Amazon. Help, I threw out my back. Hello and welcome to Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Janke and I'm joined today by Amanda Klein. Amanda is a mental health therapist for children and holds her PhD from Suffolk University. She has worked with mental health facilities and early childhood developmental centers of Boston. She's originally from New Jersey, enjoys cooking, and she's a proud dog mom of Fenway. You are from Boston, right? Fenway Park? Yes, I so, went to school right by there. So. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. So it's funny, my my brother's dog's actually named Fenway. My sister-in-law's from Boston as well. So Fenway Park is a is an iconic baseball stadium. So Amanda, thanks for joining me though. Thank you so much for having me. Fill in any of the gaps or go into detail about whatever you want as far as who you are, what you do, who you help, and, and how you got to be where you are. Sure. So ever since I was little, I always loved to work with children. And then in high school, I started taking psychology classes and I really enjoyed them too. So I wanted to find a career that I could combine both with. And I started off at Wheelock. I did my undergrad in Boston. And so I have my child psychology degree and a supplement in child development from there. Then I moved on to Suffolk and I have my PSYD in child psychology and counseling. So after that, I worked all over Boston and I then moved to the child development child field and I ran a child center for a very long time. And then I missed New Jersey and came back. And so when I was in New Jersey, I started off as a social worker for children with cancer at a nonprofit. And then I moved into my role now of I'm a teacher and I have a telehealth business where I do child counseling and child development. That's fantastic. Definitely very needed. Children go through a lot and different children have very different ways of coping with this strange and complex world that they've been thrust into. Yes. And 
And I know you also have a personal experience. I know you're doing a lot of relationship counseling. You have a personal yeah. experience that sort of led you that direction. Is that something that you want to talk about at all? Sure. I actually was engaged previously. I was with him for a year and about three months ago, he suddenly called off our engagement and just ghosted me out of the blue. It happened in less than 24 hours that I lost who I thought was the love of my life. I lost my home. I lost my wedding. So now from that, in retrospect, I took a deep dive into that relationship and really looked into it and saw the red flags and saw those things. And now I'm going on podcasts, speaking about it, and just sharing my story in the hope that it will help and heal others. That's awesome. So were there, there were definite red flags, like in advance, even before the big announcement or the ghosting? What, what were some of those red flags? Some of those red flags were, I think he was testing my boundaries. He asked me on our second date to lose weight. And I thought it was under the guise of, I want you healthy. That's what he kept saying. I want you healthy and this and that. And I jumped right into it. So I think it was testing how far he could go with the control aspect with those things. And I see that now that it would be change your outfit, change your hair. He bought me makeup. He bought me clothing that I was like his Barbie that he dressed up. And so those are some of the red flags, the controlling behaviors. And mm -hmm. I thought it was out of love and I did it out of love and respect for him, but it clearly wasn't. And so, so, yeah. so where you were willing to maybe indulge him a little bit because of that love that you were feeling that direction toward him, his intentions, which you found out a little bit later were not. Yes, definitely. Right. And I think when you're in a relationship, you don't see those red flags because you want to look at the best part of that person. You want to see the best in them. And when you have as much as love as I had for this person, you don't want to think that they're having bad intentions or testing you or testing their boundaries or testing their own control limits. And you don't want to think about those things. But unfortunately, in retrospect, seeing the things he asked me to do, the things he asked me to change on a consistent and constant basis, you realize that it was not a relationship maybe of him, of love. I think I was just the tester fiance, I call myself. Uh, interesting, interesting. So from what you learned about this, being the tester fiance and like being in a position where you have somebody who you're in this very intimate relationship with, but he's trying to change you, how... Like, how, how do you, like, what do you tell people who are in relationships how to spot those red flags, even though we may have goggles on and we want to see the best, what do they call it, rose-colored glasses? How do you tell some, what do you tell people? I'll let you take it away from there. Sure. I always recommend to people when you feel that pit in your stomach, those are your instincts telling you something is wrong. Something is not right. So trust your instincts and be brave enough to ask the person directly. Say, hey, I didn't like that comment you said. I didn't, it just makes me feel like this. Come from a place of your feeling and emotions. And I think that's a good tester for someone. If you ask that question and the person shuts you down and says, 
no or gets angry. My ex-fiance told me it was all about him. Every time I said my emotions, that it was all about him or no, you're not feeling that way. If a person does that, really take that moment and analyze. That doesn't mean in doing so, I always tell people you don't love them any less. You don't respect them any less, but it's taking that moment for yourself. Do some self-reflection. Or if you're nervous about approaching your partner about it, I always say journal it, put it in a journal, and then maybe seek some mental health counseling or a therapist and say, I'm having this issue. Do you have any ideas of how I can approach it? And I always say, if you approach it from a loving and honest place, your partner should respect that. And you can have an open dialogue and an open conversation because a relationship cannot grow without those things. And think of that too, I always say, you cannot have a relationship with someone that's not respecting your feelings and doing those things. And you might really both love each other. So to work it out, you have to have these tough conversations. And it always doesn't end in a breakup or an argument. I think that's a very big fear in people that I see that, oh, if I say that, it's going to end up in an argument. And it isn't. Yeah. Or it and shouldn't, it, at least. It shouldn't. And, and I think that is a big red flag. If you ever say what you're feeling, because you may feel, I don't know, some people see a spider and they feel fear, whereas somebody else would see a spider and say, that's just a spider. And, but that doesn't mean that the person who, doesn't feel fear can somehow say well, that's wrong of you to feel that it just is what it is. This is how I feel. And exactly. that's a huge red flag, right? If somebody either yells at you for feeling a certain way or tries to convince you not to feel a certain way. I think another, I'm just going to chime in from my experience is when lots of people are telling you that this is wrong. I don't know. I don't know what your friends and family were saying, but if one person, one friend that you haven't spoken to in eight years says, oh, I don't like her, or I don't like him in your case, then maybe, like, okay, that's one person. But if six or seven of your friends and family members are like, hey, I don't like this person, boom, huge red flag. What are, what are some other red flags uh, that you maybe happen with you or maybe not, maybe just what you notice with people are other sort of red flags what? that... One thing with me that I just discovered through therapy and through on podcasts and discussing this is the aspect of love bombing. Have you heard of it? No, it's I've never you, heard of love bombing. When you inundate your partner with constant texts, calls, oh, everything right from the beginning saying, I right. think you're the one, I Ooh. think you're this on their social media. And that is what I received right from the beginning. We're on their social media. So Yes, right from the get-go, being like, that picture looks great. This and mm. constant inundated that they make you feel like, oh, I'm going to do anything for this person and I'm going to make this work. And that is the mindset I was given. So, so I always tell people, yeah. when you have that, analyze that for a second. Is it really, what are they trying to get? What are right. they trying? Because sometimes people have those motives where they're just trying to see if they can push boundaries and make you feel like they're the most important thing in your lives because that's what they really need for themselves. Got it. So is there motivation for the love bombing? Are they trying to get your other, they're posting all this on Facebook, like, oh, Amanda, I love you so much. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Are they trying to get other people to see that behavior so that 
down the line, if you're thinking of breaking up with this person, everybody said, no, he's so nice on Facebook. Don't break up with him or the Prince Charming syndrome. Yes. Uh, I think that's another thing in front of my family, in front of my friends, my ex-fiance was perfection. Hmm. And I never actually, until the breakup mentioned anything that he asked me to lose weight and change this and do that. I never mentioned anything because I didn't want to rock the boat either. I was in fear of someone judging me or telling me this or that. And I didn't tell anyone. I just was, he's perfect. He's this, he's that, because that was my mindset at the time. Yeah, very interesting. I always tell people, even if you have that moment where you're just, maybe this isn't right. Maybe this isn't something's off, share it with your mom or dad, share it with a friend just to get in maybe an outside perspective. Because after all of this ended, that's what helped me. Like I would tell my parents, for example, what occurred or my therapist or my friend, and they would say, what? And you see their facial expression and you it's not right. They're like, <laughs> right. what happened? What Why didn't you what? tell me that before? You should have told me this a year ago, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But I was wrapped up in that. I really loved him and that we were going to get married and we were living together and all of those things, Right. I think clouded my judgment. Okay. Those are some of the red flags. Is there another color flag for like good things to notice? Uh, let's say like, let's say the blue flag. What are the blue flags? Like, let's say you're in a relationship and it's this person behaves in this way. And that is a sign that wow, there's something special here. This is a good thing. What are some of those things that you want people to look for? I certainly want people to look for someone that's going to listen to them and be communicative about their emotions and feelings and that it goes both ways. You're both sharing something. You're both growing in the experience. Arguments are not a bad thing to have when you're together. It shows growth and getting to know one another. So if you have a partner that is patient and listening to you and sharing their feelings as well, it's not all about either of you, I think are very good rainbow flags of that it is a very healthy thing to do. Nice. Share those and be communicative. And then uh, you mentioned arguments. I really like this. I think we should go down this rabbit hole. We could have a whole podcast series about this, but uh, what's the difference between an argument and disagreement that was in my relationship? Right. Actually. Yeah. So let's change the word to disagreement because I think that's a much better word because I think it is possible to be in even a very long-term relationship and never argue. However, it is impossible to never disagree because you, you, the two of you are different people. You're not going to agree on everything, nor I think that would just be boring too, but how do you disagree with somebody who you love and do it in a way where you're, you're making your own perceptions known, yet you're not trying to make the other person wrong at the same time? How do you navigate that? I think that is one of the difficult things when you do have a disagreement and you really have to listen to the other person and see where they're coming from. But also the other person has to show you respect and listening to where you're coming from. It's okay to disagree on things. I remember, I cannot, it was something minor. And he would always tell me that's an argument and I'm gaslighting him. And mm. all of these things right from the get-go of a disagreement, something very minor. So you want to show that you're having some patience. You need to take a breath and say what you're feeling and say what your 
perspective is on it. You explaining yourself is not a bad thing. You need to show that to your partner that this is where I'm coming from. This is where you're coming from. It's okay that we disagree about minor things about what we're going to watch tonight, what we're going to do tonight. It's okay to have those disagreements and then come to a place of understanding both sides. And it's okay if it is a disagreement. I think people, again, are in fear of if I disagree with my partner, what does that mean for the relationship? What does that, I think everyone's in fear over that. And you have to sometimes be a brave person and just say, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have those different opinions. We're all human. We all have different opinions and that's okay. And I think when you realize it for yourself and your partner realizes it, it's a stepping stone to move on. You can watch TV in the living room. I'll watch TV in the bedroom. It's okay. And to find those compromises where you feel are necessary in a relationship. Sure, sure. And, And what occurred to me as you were talking too, you mentioned a very workable solution, right? You have two TVs, you watch over there, I'll watch over here. That's a very, looking at the end, I guess I'm seeing, what I'm seeing visually is like a pyramid, right? So let's say there's a pyramid, there's a foundation, and then at the top of the pyramid, there's two peaks, but those two peaks have different, those two peaks are different. And if you just focus on them, they look like two separate peaks. But if you go down deeper, there's one foundation that sort of bonds them together. And this is where I feel like people of all kinds, whether it's relationships, whether it's intimate or friends, or politically, I think we're in this country big time, is we start staring at the peaks and how they're different. Like I'm over here and you're over here. I'm right, you're left. I'm uh, blue, you're red, whatever it is. And we don't go a little bit deeper into the foundation that's really the same or maybe the experiences that led us to that belief. Because I'm fascinated by people who think politically different than I do. And I try to stay in that question asking. Because I think if you ask enough questions, you'll get to the root of what makes us the same. Probably the same in relationships too, right? Yes. You want to get to a place. I always ask a million questions to everybody because I'm a chatty Mm -hmm. Kathy and I can't (laughs) help myself. I'm just like, what is this? What is that? What is that? And I think that's the basis of a solid foundation of a relationship where you can honestly, both of you say what makes that foundation so great for you. It could be you both like something, you both do something together. It's spending time and just the getting to know one another. And I think that's what builds a foundation for a relationship. And I think being honest with your partner and having true feelings for them is a good basis for both of you for a relationship to have that clear factor. I think nowadays everyone does swipe left swipe and no one really gets to know one another in this crazy world that we are living in. And I think that's sad that it's come down to pretty much you swipe, you don't swipe, you might find someone you might. And it's, very tough out there to build those foundations for a relationship I'm realizing and yeah yeah I think that is and one thing that is so important and in that communication is like is like no judgment or the ability for one individual to just listen like we talk about I'm again going political but we have like freedom of speech and I think it is very important in a relationship too so how like the ability for you to let's say something and not be so worried that your partner is going to do something bad 
or respond in a bad way, but know that, hey, we're all like works in progress. And it's okay if Amanda says something or is thinking something that maybe I think is like, oh, I don't think that's right. Or without scolding you or making you feel like you're somehow wrong. Exactly. I think that's a very hard thing because if you're with a person that's, let's say, a little sensitive or you're doing, you just know that person and you try to avoid confrontation. I think that's a very big thing in dating and in society to avoid confrontation and just be like, it's okay. And I think that's one of the hardest things in relationships to ask, to tell the person I'm having a different opinion or something's really bothering me. I know I didn't do it because I didn't want to rock the boat. That's Mm -hmm. my mindset. And I think it's finding those words or finding just compassion in yourself and then expressing that to your partner. Ah, I, I like think that. that's compassion. A big thing. Say that and again. Finding compassion in yourself. Finding, yeah, com- finding that compassion in yourself to then communicate that to your partner. You, I think when it comes from a place of anger or a place of you're frustrated, I think those are the things that at that point, take a break, take a breather and say, okay, we need a second. Because when right. you start getting angry and we start coming from that place and start threats and this and that, it's never going to work. I remember the first thing every time we had an argument was I was gaslighting and mm. that immediately the ring would be taken. So, so is there, you mentioned a few things. Like I think you said, hey, I have a different opinion on this. And it was very like, non-confrontational that's Uh, using non-confrontational language which you can google it and if you need extra help i always say reach out to a mental health professional and say i'm struggling with this and i know that's hard for people to say i'm struggling i'm having a hard time with my partner doing this or that and it's maybe just reaching out to someone and saying or one of your friends saying hey have you ever had an argument like this or a disagreement what can we do what did you do to help make it work? What did this happen? And finding that for yourself, and it might not be exactly like the other person, but you can find some tools and some language to use that I feel is comfortable for everyone and makes everyone feel that this isn't a big issue. Agreed. And I think there's uh, different templates and protocols. There's nonviolent communication. There's like using I statements, saying, look, there's something that I, I I need to work out or can you help me work out, work this out in my head? Because we, none of us really has a monopoly on the truth. We're all looking at life through our own eyes and to, I, I think it's not easy, but to be able to approach your partner with, hey, this kind of got my, my insides a little tangled up. Can you help me out with this? Is And, and the key is, finding somebody who approaches communication the same way. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to put my junk on you. Exactly. And, right. I think that's the hardest thing, finding someone you can communicate openly with, yes. that you're not scared, you're going to rock the boat. And if you had disagreements in the past and you see their reaction, then you're not going to do it anymore and you're just going to remain silent. And I think that's what happened to me and it was sad. Even at the end, I was cut off. I was blocked. I didn't have a voice. And Mm. so you want to make sure you're having that strong voice in a relationship and that you trust yourself and your emotions and your opinions. They're there for a reason. 
Yeah, hundred percent. The so that gut level emotion that like eh, something's not quite right. Can't put my finger on it. Looking and like you said, looking for an outside opinion, like a sounding board, friend, family member, maybe a therapist. Does this sound right? Things like that, right? When the yes, and flags they can give you tools to help you too. Saying maybe this would work if you approach it that way, or it might change your mindset of thinking that oh, I was going to say this, but maybe I'll say this will be better. And it really helps. I think mm-hmm. always to have someone to talk to about you and just run it by is always a good thing. Right. Now I want to go real quick transition to maybe people who are not in a relationship right now or, or not in a, like an intimate relationship. What types of self-improvement can somebody who's not in a relationship do so they're working on themselves so that they attract somebody who is more in line with how they want to be as far as communication, as far as problem solving, things like that. I think it's always good to start if you really want to work on yourself is just to have a quiet moment with yourself and really reflect on who you are. It might be journaling that. It might be seeking help for that and seeking someone to talk to a mental health therapist or someone that can help you reflect. And I think that's the big thing to have a quiet moment of reflection and really realize who you are. It might be writing things down. It might be doing something like that, but really to have that moment to yourself and realize maybe I'm not the best at communicating and I need to work on that. And it's okay to work on things, even if you are 21 or 82, it's okay that you need to work on things in yourself. We're all works in progress. We're all human. We make mistakes. And I think just to admit to yourself saying, I don't communicate well, I don't express my emotions in a relationship. What can I do to work on these things and write it out? Some things that you can work on, you can role play, you can just really reflect on your emotions and where you are. And those are all positive things to do. And I think definitely when you're not in a relationship or not in those things, it's a good thing. It's time for yourself. It's not a negative thing. It's time for yourself to work on what you would like to work on, or it just might be, maybe I'll pick up a new hobby. Maybe I'll do this for myself and doing self-care and self things that you like to do too, or discovering something new. It's not all negative that you are alone. It's right. okay. And I, and you alluded <laughs> I to, yeah, it is. You're right. hundred percent. It is okay. Yeah. It's not wrong to be single. Absolutely not. But I love how you, you said that go inside, do some self-reflection and discover that, Oh, maybe these are the things I want to work on in myself. And you alluded earlier in the show to our culture, like our swipe left swipe on the apps and everything. And I want to, I'm, I'm, I like putting things in context, like a balance or like a middle road, middle path kind of thing. Because while I think a lot of people get down that whole rabbit hole of very superficial relationships, you can get, physically connected with people very quickly because of the apps. On the other hand, if we think of somebody who's in maybe an abusive relationship, who thinks that this is the only one, this is the only person who will ever love me, or there's nobody else out there, that person needs to remember that, hey, there are tons of people out there who will treat you 
And not only are they out there, you can probably find one pretty quickly. If you're in an abusive relationship, like just go on one of those apps for a little bit and you'll find somebody else and you can be a little bit choosy and selective and find somebody who really communicates in a way that's respectful and, and allows you to do the same. Yes. That's the other side of it. It's when you come out of that, when you're strong enough to come out of that abusive relationship or when the person just breaks it off with you, yeah, it happens. And I think those are the people that definitely I give so much credit to if you leave an abusive relationship. I personally, my partner broke up with me. So it was had to be done. I had no choice. Right. But for those people, there are people out there. There are great people out there. And if you are on an app and that's what you would like to do, go right ahead. I think there's a great people on those apps really wanting to find love and you'll weed them out pretty quickly for the ones that don't. And that's the beautiful thing about the internet. You can do anything nowadays and do those things and find someone that's going to speak to you, find someone that's going to support you in the way you want to be supported and find that for yourself. Right. And it is out there. I still have hope for myself that I will be engaged again and hopefully married. I have you just got on the podcast and maybe somebody watching this can reach out to you. And <laughs> you never know. I'm done with the, yeah, the dating apps I'm done with. Are you? So. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, good to know. You know, there if we you get go. any comments under this YouTube video, I'll forward them to you, but um, you can forward me their resume and I will look over it. <laughs> Amanda will contact you if she's interested guys. So I, I will. Um, Amanda, give, uh, so I want to put you in front of a, a crowd, motivational speech. Let's say you're at a college graduation and you are addressing these young adults, motivational speech on how you think they could get the most out of life. I really like going to this question because we're going really big picture, not just relationships, but big yes. picture life advice. What would you tell people as far as your motivational speech to them? My first part of advice would be, we're all human, show your empathy to the world, show that you're human, show kindness and respect to everyone you meet. And sometimes it's very difficult, but that's why we have patience to definitely be a human in this world and show everybody compassion and respect. And also you can give somebody hope and to give that to the people around you. I think that's a big thing is that hope is a beautiful thing. And Sometimes we lose our hope and sometimes our hope is taken from us. And it's as humans to give that back to someone. You can give hope, you can give joy to someone. And just always remember that in your heart. Trust your instincts, trust your emotions in life, and they will lead you down a good path. Nice. I like that. Trust your emotions. Definitely that gut level feeling. Amanda, how do people get in touch with you if they want to work with you, if they need guidance for their relationship? Or like we said, you are uh, you work with children as well. So yes. I know today we really dove into relationships, but if anyone wants that help as well, how do people find you? Sure. So I have a website. It's www.childcounseling.net. I am on Instagram under child underscore counseling underscore services. And on Facebook, it is Child Counseling and Developmental Services of New Jersey. 
Thank you so much. Again, this is Amanda Klein. I'm Chris Jenke on Health in the Real World. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Health in the Real World show. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment down below. Visit mycorebalance.com to learn more.